We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So a question that's being asked as we head into the offseason is, what should the Ravens do with left tackle Ronnie Stanley, given his very large cap hit in 2024, and then also his limited availability over the past few years? So to help answer that pressing question, we're going to lean on NFL Hall of Famer Jonathan Ogden for his insight. We're going to listen to Ronnie himself and what he had to say recently about his health. And we'll also check in with Eric DaCosta, Ravens general manager, and what he had to say last month at the end of season press conference about his former all-pro left tackle. Well, I'm Sarah Ellison alongside Bobby Trossett. It is Friday. February 16th, and this is your morning Ravens update from Inside the Vault, presented by one of our this month's small business Patreon title sponsors, High Grounds Cafe. There's something brewing in Baltimore. All right, so the deadline to re-sign several key Raven veterans, Sarah, without dead money hitting the cap is quickly approaching. That's a big one. We'll get into that. And then later... Ah, the latest Lamar Jackson disrespect just reached new heights yet again, courtesy of Nick Wright on First Things First. We'll explain just ahead. We've got all that more coming up. So thanks for waking up with the Morning Vault where you get the most important Ravens news and our opinions in about 30 minutes. The Ronnie Stanley conversation, Sarah. It's one that's ongoing and will continue to be because he is under contract next year in Baltimore. So everybody who thinks that it's just so easy to move on from Ronnie, come on, stop and think about this a little bit and do a deep dive because that's what we're about to do right now. In order to begin with that, let's cut to Eric DaCosta first and foremost at the end of season press conference that he and John Harbaugh gave uh, one winning drive. And when the Ronnie question was asked by Luke Jones, which I, I think we both thought was really well said. Uh, this is what EDC said in response. Eric, by his own admission, Ronnie Stanley the other day expressed disappointment in how he played this year. We know how the last few years have gone with him health-wise and lack of availability, but given where he is with his health performance and also with his compensation level, where is the organization with him and his left tackle position need to start maybe looking at more carefully in a big picture sense? Well, I think the offensive line is always going to be something that we stress here. You know, we're going to continue to look at that every single year, particularly as you get older. You know, uh, it gets tougher and tougher and tougher for guys to stay healthy. 
And unfortunately, Ronnie, no fault of his own, but he has had, you know, a series of injuries that have hurt him, hurt his performance, uh, the ankle, and then a series of knee injuries. And so that's definitely been a factor. You know, uh, I love Ronnie. Uh, he's still a talented player. I think this is going to be a big offseason for him, getting himself healthy, getting himself strong again, coming back in great football shape. We'll make all those personnel decisions over the coming weeks, what we decide to do. But as far as the position in general, I definitely think, you know, and Coach said this in 2008 when we interviewed him. He said, we're always going to have a strong, physical, big offensive line. And that's kind of bled into the culture of this place and who we are as an organization. We're going to continue to do that. All right, so here it is, the numbers on him. Um, Ronnie Stanley this year, 2024, cap number is 26 million point one. Bobby, I believe that's the second most behind Lamar Jackson. Um, if the Ravens, and I know a lot of there's a lot of you know fans that are kind of fed up with how many games Ronnie Stanley has missed, and so there's certainly no, you know, a, a percentage of the fan base that want to see the Ravens move on for him right now and so if the ravens did that and just did a straight cut uh they'd have s almost 18 million dollars of dead money um there's that now if you wanted to you could do a post one june release okay if you do that you don't see the savings from cutting him until june one it's not like you get to use it in that first cycle of free agency come march and so then if you did that you'd have 11 million in dead money essentially uh, this year and then uh, but then you'd have another 6.6 .6 million of dead money already in 2025 all of that for 8.3 savings to me doesn't make sense I understand the frustrations of his um, availability and his play but you could make up that 8.3 million in savings by instead releasing Morgan Moses who is also aging who is also injured who is also uh, needing a rotation. And so, and then you could go to Ronnie and ask for a pay cut. And you could, between those two things, you could probably end up saving 8 million anyway, um, which you might want to do since there's nobody here yet that for sure could take his spot. You're on mute. A little out of sorts over here. Thank you. Yeah. So let's go to Ronnie himself, though. He caught up with the lounge recently and talked a little bit about what he can be or maybe what he can return to being at this point in his career. Hey, maybe physically I can't be that guy that I was in 2019 or whatever, but like, I've still not gonna, I can't have pity for myself or whatever. Like I just gotta be the best version of me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, you know, I still believe I can be that guy. Like, yeah. you know, to, to this day, I, I do believe that, you know, based on, you know, everything that I'm feeling in my body, you yeah. know, um, like I said, just adjusting to, you know, things that happen during the season, you know, yeah. people falling on you, whatever the case may be. But, um, yeah, I, I really, uh, you know, I, yeah, I still believe it. So is that just a matter of getting health, healthy, healthy, or what, what do you feel like it, yeah, it takes? I, yeah, I really, I really feel like, you know, just being able to, uh, feel like I can use my body to, you know, <laughs> You know, Bobby, it's 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 funny because you listen to him and you're like, on one on one hand, you you know you're frustrated. You're frustrated when you see something like a sack given up in the AFC Championship game, and that's completely warranted. And then on the other side, you feel bad for him as like a human because you think back when he says, "I can be him again." He thinks that he can be that guy again. Well, we have to go back to 2019. That's when he was an All Pro. 
And then he started playing well in the beginning of 2020. He signed that five-year contract worth $98 million. That's what an all-pro left tackle is worth. Two days later is when he suffered that season-ending ankle injury. Then he didn't get back on the field until the season opener of 2021, realized his ankle wasn't right, played in one game there. And so then he has to have another season ankle injury in October of 2021. And so he essentially misses two full seasons. And then we see him come out week one of 2023. And immediately week one, he has that knee injury. So he's out four games. And then he says in this interview with the lounge, he just kept retweaking it. And so the question is, well, yeah, if Ronnie Stanley were healthy, do we still see glimpses of a 2019 All-Pro? Sure. But but then it's like, but can you put all the eggs in that basket? And so one other thing that Ronnie kind of kind of pointed out that this injury was very different from the ankle ones, right? There was it was so bad there was nothing he could do. This one he had to fight through it and this is this is how we do it. This is how we did it. So he did fight through it, but we hear why he still wasn't 2019 all pro Ronnie. Uh, yeah, it's been pretty difficult, uh, you know, physically and mentally. Um, but, you know, I always try to, you know, evolve and adapt to the situation. And um, it took a, look a little longer than I really wanted. But um, I feel like uh been able to um, really evolve more uh, to, you know, the the injuries that have come this year mm. and be able to, you know, work around them and still be able to play at a high level. What, what do you mean by evolve? You mean kind of change your game, change the way you're blocking? Yeah, you know, sometimes you can't get in certain positions because, you know, of injuries, you know, like you said, the knees. So mm -hmm. sometimes it's harder to, you know, be able to be in certain positions where, you know, I usually want to be using my technique. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, you need to be able to adjust and figure out a way um, either to get the job done in a different position or figure out another way to get into the position that you want to be in. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's just, you know, a lot of different tinkering here and there with a technique, you know, based on physical, uh, you know, capabilities that's going to be a really hard thing to do mid-season especially as you're <laughs> dealing with the physical aspect of it too yeah yeah exactly you know it's not you know easy you know but it was easy everyone would do it you know? <laughs> <laughs> boy he's been through he's been through the it. ringer he's been through the ringer yeah he's been put through the ringer and you gotta wonder what he has left in the tank he's saying and doing all the right things but you know at some point you know like the realist in you has to ask these questions that we're asking ourselves and and obviously upper brass will be asking themselves the same exact question the way that they do business this offseason we were lucky enough to be able to ask a hall of famer about this situation and a former raven a super bowl champion that is jonathan ogden jo was out in vegas while we were on radio row at super bowl 58 last week we built an entire episode around around it last week but we wanted to kind of revisit it and single out a few things that J.O. had to say specifically about Ran Ronnie, excuse me, and it began with this. I think Ronnie is still, like you said, when he's healthy, one of the best offensive tackles in the league. But it's a question of how 
healthy is he? Yeah. And that's a decision that the front office is going to have to make. And, you know, it's not – we know he's a smart player, tough guy. Yeah. But it's really difficult to play when you can't do the things you want to do physically. Like he couldn't anchor. Exactly. I know the feeling because my last year I couldn't anchor because I had a bad toe. Your toe. And I couldn't stop a bull rush to save my life. Nobody bull rushed me for 10 years in my career because mm -hmm. I knew it was a futile move. And then they started to do it <laughs> because I knew I couldn't anchor. Yep. So, I mean, it's like – I love Ronnie. I think he's been a great Raven. But the question is, how healthy will he be? It's fair, right? It's a fair it, assessment. It's <laughs> it's totally fair. And so then we asked him, okay, well, then what do you do going forward? What do you do going forward? And here's what he had to In say. In April, if somebody falls to them that they love on the board at left tackle, I'm not saying that they want to replace Ronnie this upcoming season. He's under contract. But do you think it's time to maybe start retooling from a depth standpoint? I, mean, I played left guard my rookie year. I mean, you, mm -hmm. if you got a guy who you think can be that guy and, he's, and they're there, you take them. I mean, and you just worry about it later. Um, because a good lineman can, can play somewhere. And yeah. like you're saying, if Ronnie doesn't pan out or if we want to trade, whatever, there are options. But to have, it never hurts to have good linemen. All right. So, Bobby, so I, here's the thing. At the end of the day, you just can't do it cap wise and you don't know who's out there all you know all pro left tackles don't not even all pro like get somebody who can play all all the games right um it, it just is too much cap money but next year there's a real opportunity if he still isn't healthy so i like where jo's head is at you 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 can't put all your eggs in the ronnie stanley basket we've already learned that the last couple of years and i think the ravens learned that and that's why they signed Patrick McCary. That's why they drafted um, uh, what's his bucket? Falele. Falele. That's why they drafted him. And so what the what the strategy was last year was we are going to make sure we have plans B. Ronnie's plan A. Then we'll have plans B, C, D, E, and F. Like they had, and they did, and that was great. Look, look, there was never a time. Where the Ravens like we're bare at left tackle, and that's hap or at either tackle, and that's why we saw the rotation. That's why we saw both Falele and McCary. So they learned their lesson, and it got them far in 2023. Now moving forward, uh, my proposal is that they take that same type of philosophy, where you don't put all your eggs in the Ronnie Stanley basket, but you take it one step further, and you find somebody who could potentially replace him. And that is through the draft. Um, but you have him learning from Ronnie throughout this year, assuming that Ronnie is healthy. And then if he's not healthy, then you have a draft pick who, if you think he's ready, you go ahead and plug in at left tackle or put him at guard or put him at right tackle and you still have McCary and Falele. So to me, you do everything you did last season but step it up one more notch and have a guy that could be future Ronnie Stanley. And then if Ronnie pans out, and now you've got two Ronnie Stanleys for a couple more years, right? So right. that, to me, is the best way to do this going forward, given what is on the cap and what is on the roster. And speaking to J.O.'s point there in that second clip at the end, like, hey, you can never have – you can never not have enough linemen depth-wise. Seems like the Ravens kind of were, were speaking to that too when they moved back into the seventh round last year after their press conference, once the draft was over for them and they went and got Andrew Voorhees, who essentially had a red shirt year because of the ACL tear. Right. So we'll see. If, and now that's not the tackle position, but let's just see how he pans out for them. And, and if he ends up being a viable candidate to start at what it would be left guard, 
this mm-hmm. upcoming fall. So something to be on the lookout for there. Our guy Brian McFarland from Russell Street Report. Well, first of all, that 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 chart that we showed you earlier, this chart right here for the YouTube audience, that's Russell Street Report's own. That's Brian McFarland's stuff that we that we did our cap episode on earlier in the week. Uh, but what he tweeted about earlier this week that I know you hit on as well is this deadline. And it's a deadline to re-sign several key Raven veterans without dead money hitting the cap. And that deadline is quickly approaching. So let's get into some of Brian's tweets and go ahead. Well, just to like be clear, the reason why it's these, let's see, one, two, three, four, five guys, because the deadline for everybody else isn't until the new league year, which is early March, right? The reason why these guys have deadlines this Monday is because the rate it's how the Ravens set up their contracts or restructure their con- contracts last off season when trying to make room for Lamar Jackson. And so all these guys have void years on their contracts and based off of what was written into their contracts, that's why it was the date was put February 19th that that's when the void years came in. So that's why it's just these five specific guys. Thank you. Yeah. So as, as Brian noted earlier in the month, uh, well, Jeff Zarebek first tweeted about Eric DaCosta talking about Kevin Zeitler during that end of season press conference about his first pro bowl honor and said that the two of them met the week prior to the pro bowl about his contract as one of the pending free agents. And they'll continue to have those conversations. So Brian weighed in with this, Uh, This is probably earlier than usual at the time for contract talks, but with good reason. If they want to retain any of Kevin Zeitler, and these are the five that you mentioned, you were referring to at least Kevin Zeitler, Nelson Aguilar, Geno Stone, Gus Edwards, or Rocky Asin, deals must be done before their contracts void. Again, what you were getting at there on February 19th in order to avoid the acceleration of the void year prorations into 2024. Those players can still be re-signed after that but they would then need to account for both the dead money from the void years acceleration and the cost of the new deal on the cap. So they need to be proactive with those that they want to retain. So here is the dead money in that same thread from Brian. You can follow him on Twitter at Raven salary cap. If no deals get done before the 19th, which of course this is a Friday morning vault. So the 19th is coming up on Monday next week. The dead money would be 4.268 million for Zeitler. 1.84 1.84 million for Gus Bus, 1.668 for Nelly, 1.6 for Rock, and just a measly in NFL terms, <laughs> 600 grand for Gino. The total dead money, if none of those five are resigned before the 19th, is 9.976. What sticks out to you the most? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So basically 10 million and almost half of that is Zeitler. So um, something tells me that the Ravens, when they put in these, they restructured did some of these void year with these guys, when they put that much on Zeitler, I think that at that point they had already made a decision that they wanted to resign him. Obviously Zeitler, it takes you to tango. So Zeitler's got to agree to something, but it would not shock me if later today, or usually these deadlines are on 4 PM on on that. So Yep. maybe over the weekend or maybe Monday before 4 p.m. It wouldn't surprise me if they announced a, a contract extension for Zeitler and then they're able to avoid half of this potential um, void money, dead money. Outside of that, um, I have a hard time thinking they're going to bring, just based off of play and how much they were used, I have a hard time seeing Rocky Scene back. Yep. Um, Gino Stone, I have a hard time seeing both based off the money here and the fact that he's going to want to test the market. So even if they wanted to resign him, I'm sure he's like, I'm about a month away from testing the market. Yep. Uh, now Gus and, and Nelson Aguilar, I think are both possibilities. Um, Aguilar again, as a number four wide receiver, I think would be great. Go ahead and extend him. Gus the bus. I said the other day, I just want, I think the makeup of the running back room has to be that you have a bruiser, somebody that can go up the middle the way Gus bus does and so if they feel like he's the guy and that they feel like he still has uh, plenty of tread on the tires, so to speak, as they say, then, you know, maybe he's the guy. So I'd put both Gus and, and Nelson in like a 50-50 category. Um, and, and I'm really interested to see because here's the thing. If neither one of them are signed by if, – if nobody else is signed by money, Monday, you, it's a pretty good chance they're not coming back at all. Yeah. So this will be big time indicators. Not that they can't come back, but it seems like if you were going to, uh, you wouldn't have wanted to waste, you know, almost basically three million in dead money on these two. Still wild to think back to last summer when the whole conversation surrounding Rock was like, "Oh, he's going to be the he's going to be the guy to replace Marcus." Marcus Peters. He's there. He's their big money, or he's the money that they spent in free agency at that position. Like, wow, and. And then sure, I mean, a couple months later, Brandon Stevens is eating up a bunch of time at corner. Ronald Darby was really reliable down the stretch. Like, who saw that coming, you know? It's crazy. Absolutely so, crazy. Topic three is one that I stumbled upon in various YouTube clips. This is uh, Nick Wright of First Things First who puts together, I think this is an annual thing based on uh, the position. But anyway, this offseason so far... He's looking at his way too early. <laughs> his way too early Mahomes mountaintop, basically. So which quarterback, which team uh, is going to be most likely to topple Patrick Mahomes on Mahomes Mountain, from Mahomes Mountain? 
So for the audio-only people, here's the list. He's got Patrick, of course, at the top, which is undisputed. The second tier are our faceless people, meaning they're vacant, as if to say there really is nobody being public enemy number one when it comes to going up against Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes. The second tier of actual players, which is the third tier on the mountain that you're looking at, is Josh Allen, C.J. Stroud, and Joe Burrow. The next one is Matthew Stafford, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, and Justin Herbert. And from then on, there's two more tiers. So my first reaction to this, Sarah, was how can you quite possibly have C.J. Stroud, while what a rookie year it was, let's give him the respect that he deserves, how does he overtake Lamar in this first tier of players Underneath, underneath Patrick Mahomes. It didn't make any sense to me. I think this is the epitome and exhibit A of the latest layer of goalposts moving. Lamar's unanimous MVP in 2019 and now reigning MVP apparently doesn't mean as much to some folks as we would think it would. And he's going to continue. This is like, to me, this is like your classic next evolution for Lamar against the doubters, right? And what he's subject to, because in no way should CJ after one year be on that line. That is all. And that is no disrespect to him whatsoever. It should be Joe, Josh and Lamar up there. Where are you at? Uh, well, first off, obviously Nick Wright is un- unabashedly a Chiefs fan. I-, I don't mind that as long as you're open about it. And he is. Um, so, but what's funny about it, which is, and you know what? It doesn't matter. Like Mahomes is on a, on a tier all his own because nobody has challenged him. Uh, every, everybody that's gone head to head to him against him, he's beat. Yep. So I have no problem with Mahomes being on a tier of his own. But this isn't to me even a conversation about Stroud because there is a tendency when you start to like do these tiers to like down talk other players. And I don't want to do that. Like CJ Stroud had a phenomenal rookie season. Um, and in some ways, uh, broke, broke records, you know? So, uh, I don't want to downplay what he is or what he can become. Um, but it, for sure, Nick Wright and his, his co-hosts have called him out on it. Like he just hasn't given anything to Lamar all year long, like nothing. There's like no love. It doesn't matter what he's done. So to me, the second tier isn't vac- vacant. There's nobody that's on his tier, which is fair to say, because he keeps beating all the competition. Now, if he were going back and forth with one of these quarterbacks, then you'd have both these quarterbacks on the first tier. But to say that, like, there's a whole second tier in between, I don't buy that. Like, he 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 went head-to-head with Josh Allen, and there was no blowout. He went head-to-head with Burrow, and I'm talking about in, in AFC Championship games. And, uh, there's like, it's not a, it's not a blowout, right? So they can go to, they can go to toe to toe with him. And, uh, Lamar has gone toe to toe with him and Lamar's a two time MVP. So to me, sure. Put Mahomes at the top. And then there's to me, three main guys that have gone toe to toe with him, but have lost. And that's Josh Allen, Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson. So some might say Lamar should be ahead of both Allen and Burrow because of his two-time MVP. I feel like that's valid. Other people might say, well, but Joe Burrow and Josh Allen have bad, better playoff records. Joe Burrow, five and two. 
Josh Allen, five and five, he's 500. Lamar's now two and four. So whether you want to go the playoff route or the MVP route, I say those three are on the same tier. Lamar, Allen, and Burrow. And then I would still give Stroud another year to see, you know, how far he goes. I feel like he needs a little bit more time. But if you want to argue he's on the same tier as all those guys, I would disagree, but at least I get he's on the same tier. But uh, yeah, no, to me, he'd be one more down uh, and just replace Lamar with Shroud and then put all three of them one more tier up. I don't think there's like Mahomes is like two tiers above everybody. The reason why I'm okay with that vacant, I guess the, the, the way that I'm looking at this vacant row is not that it hasn't been close because it has been close. Right, I mean, gosh, we two plays close. We could be talking about a different outcome, right? During the AFC title game, I think the reason why is is because at this point, most of those guys on that list, or on the when we're talking about Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, and Lamar, these guys have been in the league for for the most part six or seven years, and Patrick's got three titles to speak for it, and the others have none. Yeah, and I think that's why it's enough to put him alone in one tier above. I don't know why you have to go. You know what I mean? Now, now, if here's my thing. If, say, Lamar Jackson were to break free, or Allen were to break free, or Burrow were to, to break free from the second tier, and they get one Super Bowl, whereas Mahomes has three, then I'd be fine to say it's Mahomes, then whichever guy breaks free, say, like, it's Lamar, then it's Lamar, and then it's the next tier down. But until then, I don't know why you have to <laughs> empty a full one out. I think it speaks so. to the peerless thing that we were talking about earlier in the week, you know? Like, Which is why he's in a tier all by himself. Right. But, well, the, see, the peerless thing. He's already thing, got his own tier. Now we have to pretend he, there's like a second one. <laughs> the, the row anyway, is. I get your point. I get your point, but it's like he's already on a tier of it by himself. I don't know why we have to do extra disrespect. Like, give him his own tier. Now we have to give extra disrespect and put a whole one vacant. Uh, I don't buy that. Speaking of that, he's got a guy who's not even in the NFL yet already in one of these. <laughs> Caleb. Caleb Williams is already in this list above the likes of Jalen Hurts. Oh, my gosh. Now we just ruined it. Wait, is this? Oh, because it's way too early for 2024. Is that why? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So he will wow. be in a couple months. But. He's got to hit Caleb above Rogers. So this is clearly just a 2025 season. And if that's the case, then then what we're what we're arguing of three Super Bowls and two MVPs, then all that means nothing. That just changes uh, everything because this is 2025, and he's already got Caleb in there. What a brutal graphic! <laughs> what a brutal graphic! Here I am arguing for the vacant row, and and now I get back to the the fourth and. Th five rows and i'm like you gotta be yeah. kidding me you've got you've got he's yeah, got Gales above rogers purdy who just went to the super bowl hurts so then all this means then all everybody's history means nothing and that means that that why does mahomes get two tears to himself <laughs> i need this thing off the screen as soon as possible let's, no, let's get the go. quick let's hits go to a quick hit all right i all can't right, believe I, I can't believe i hate that graphic now yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> All right. So Kevin McCusick, film film study Ravens. Uh, I had this in my bookmarks for a minute. I was like, I just got to pull it out because I've I've liked it and I just didn't come back to it. So he writes the Ravens tight ends by passer rating throwing to them in the 2023 regular season. So passer rating to each tight end. Mark Andrews 135.7, likely 152.5, and then Kohler 144.0. 
Clearly, Lamar likes throwing to his tight ends, and his tight ends deliver. Collectively, Ken says, they had 12 touchdowns with zero interceptions on their targets and averaged 9.5 yards per throw. Those are some sweet numbers, Bobby. So then Ken asks, will Munkin scheme for more than the 110 tight end targets in 2024? And to me, that's a massive question. It might be one reason why I don't know that the Ravens are going to go out and get a big free agent wide receiver, although I do see them retooling in the draft. But like that to me is one of the challenges to Todd Munkin. I want Andrews and Likely on the field at the same time. I want like these guys. I want these guys succeeding together. Not one guy one game and then another, like both of them succeeding together. And I think that's the challenge. One of the challenges for Todd Munkin this upcoming season. Run that up. I want to see as many multiple tight up. end sets as possible. Come on now. We'll finish on a, somewhat of a so- definitely a, a somber note, being that it was a day of celebration on what on, on Wednesday for the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs, and it ended in anything but because of yet another mass shooting. So Kansas City police have now confirmed that the Super Bowl parade shooting itself was a quote dispute that ended in gunfire, which resulted in 22 victims and one murder. Uh, many of them were children, by the way. So uh, the, the murder was not, well, for whatever it's worth, uh, not much. The, the murder was, the, one, the, the woman who was killed was not one of the children, but still a uh, loss of life in this type of situation is just absolutely horrific. Who you reported had, that, Bobby? Where, I, I'm, I, didn't say, I'm, I believe you. I just am wondering. Where we I don't going? even. I gotta go look back at that. Um, I think it was actually from one of the one of the police reporters. Oh, okay. So. so you're telling me that grown men got into a dispute with each other and opened fired in a crowd because of a dispute with each other. Sure looks like it. And I'm just I just googled it on Twitter. There's a bunch of the. Bunch of local reporters, national reporters are tweeting the exact same thing. Okay. So Okay. That is crazy. I mean oh. I mean in one sense you're like, oh good, finally somebody wasn't just targeting people. They weren't targeting all these children. But at the same time it's like, but wait, grown men couldn't control like their their like fight within each other yeah. in a crowd and like let all these innocent bystanders like either way, it's just it's just absolutely heartbreaking and and disappointing. I mean, disappointing is like a nice word to put to it. Just, just terrible. You, you wonder if it was any kind of result of gang violence in that sense, know. you know? So, but, but Hey, you, you had, you had heroes that came out of the day. Literally yep. you had a uh, gang tackled. Essentially the, the suspects were well, at least one suspect was gang, ta- gang tackled. And I'm not even going to say the word suspect. One criminal was gang tackled by a bunch of Chiefs fans, and so you know you, you should never. I say, and I and I say grown men, but do we know their ages? Like, no. are they? They're not teenagers. We don't know yet. Maybe I shouldn't say grown men, but still, doesn't matter. Were, like either yeah. way. Yep. So yeah. that's that's unfortunately how a day of celebration ended out there in Kansas City. So seeing a bunch of different reports as well that that Andy Reid and other players were um, kind of like in hiding during those moments and comforting fans and whatnot. So it was just one of those days where unfortunately they, they will never forget it. So 
yeah. just wanted to be sure to, to, to add that in there and, and let everybody give the latest on, on what's been going on for the Kansas city parade perspective. So uh, with that, we do want to say shout out and, and thank you to two of our OG patrons who are supporting us through Patreon this month. And we really appreciate them. Dion Coleman, Lisa and Bryant Mason. Thank you all for believing in what we're building. If you guys are interested in doing the same, visit patreon.com forward slash Ravens vault podcast. Learn more about what we're offering this off season. So uh, along those lines as well, high grounds cafe is this month's and this episode, small business, Patreon title sponsor. Thank you to the folks there at high grounds and go check them out in the show notes below to learn more about what they offer here in the Baltimore community. So for my co-host and partner, Sarah Ellison, I'm Bobby Trossett signing off from this Friday morning vault. Have a great weekend. We will talk to you on Monday.